Welcome to the sermons of Steve Galloway, pastor of First Baptist Church, Macon, Mississippi. Let us join together and study God's Word and apply it to our hearts so that we may learn His truths and live faithful, obedient lives. May God bless our time together. Well, let me invite you to turn your Bibles to John chapter 20, verses 1 through 10. John chapter 20, verses 1 through 10. Allow me to read this passage. Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came early to the tomb while it was still dark and saw the stone already taken away from the tomb. So she ran and came to Simon Peter and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved and said to them, They have taken away the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. So Peter and the other disciple went forth, and they were going to the tomb. The two were running together, and the other disciple ran ahead faster than Peter, and came to the tomb first. And stooping and looking in, he saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he did not go in. And so Simon Peter also came, following him, and entered the tomb. And he saw the linen wrappings lying there, and the face cloth which had been on his head, not lying with the linen wrappings, but rolled up in a place by itself. So the other disciple, whom had first come to the tomb, then also entered, and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture, that he must rise again from the dead. So the disciples went away again to their own homes. Let's bow together. Dear Lord, as we open up your word today, Lord, give us clear understanding of what these three saw that day and how it affected their lives and how it affects our lives today. Lord, may we be found faithful to your word. Guide us in our study. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You know, I, just been a few months ago since I actually preached on this passage of scripture. It's called Easter Sunday. And Easter Sunday is always difficult for a pastor because... What new can you bring to the Easter story? And so we always try to cover all the nuances of that complete story. But now that we're going through it in an uh, expository way, we're looking at kind of individual parts of the scripture, I can spend a little bit more time on the nuances of it. I can look at the, each part of it and kind of pick it apart a little bit. And that's what we're going to do today. We're just going to look at these first 10 verses and here's the situation. Three people are the main characters in this passage of Scripture. Mary Magdalene, Peter, and we assume that the other person is John, the disciple whom Jesus loved, is the author of this book, and it is the Apostle John. And so we look at these three people, and they all saw the same thing, but it affected them differently. And that's what we're going to see today. Have you ever saw something and looked at somebody and said, did you see what I saw? And they go, what? And they didn't see it the way that you saw it. You know, perspective is always something a little bit different. Uh, in today's day and age, if you watch much television, if you watch any commercials, some of the commercials I just don't get. Maybe I'm just getting too old or they just, they're just weird or something. I wonder who, what is it they're advertising sometimes. But... In the old days, the, the, the ads really seemed to kind of touch at your heartstrings. They, they tried to engage you in some form or fashion. And 
you know, the old Hallmark cards, you know, you're, you're kind of crying at the end of them. You know, and some of them, the movies today, I, I struggle with as well. Used to, blockbuster movies had a way of engaging you, get you on the edge of your seat. Uh, back in the day before streaming, and a movie would come out for the first time in the homes, they would do a flush test. They would find out how many flushes happened during the breaks of the main part of the movie to see how many people were engaged into that movie. It's, it's amazing, but you know that was the way of engaging people. Well, something took place some 2,000 years ago that engaged three people, but it engaged them differently. They didn't all see it quite the same way. The greatest human sense, I think, is probably the sense of sight. It, it really is probably what makes us react the most. Uh, so that's really what we see here is that Mary Magdalene, Peter, and John saw the same thing but saw it differently. Now, what Mary Magdalene saw. According to verse 1, it says that now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came early to the tomb while it was still dark and saw the stone already rolled away or taken away from the tomb. And then she ran to the disciples. What did she see? Well, again, John does not go into a lot of detail, but from Matthew, Mark, and Luke, we know that there were other women who met at the tomb. They probably didn't all travel together. They probably met at the tomb. The, the, the consensus is that Mary Magdalene was probably the first one there, the first one to, to realize that uh, the tomb had been rolled away or the stone had been rolled away. So she was the first one there. She looked into the tomb, saw the, the, what was there. Again, John does not describe what she saw, but what she saw gave her an understanding, or actually a lack of understanding. She saw the empty grave, and she saw that there was something wrong, but she didn't understand what was going on. So here's the situation. She ran to Peter and John, and she said, they have taken his body away, and we don't know where they have taken him. So the situation is that she saw without understanding. She did not understand what had taken place there. She saw an empty tomb, but she made the assumption that somebody had taken the body of Jesus away, and, they, and she didn't know where. Now, who is this Mary Magdalene? Well, if you go back to uh, Luke chapter 8, verse 2, you find out that she's first mentioned in the scriptures there. And she was a woman who had multiple demons in her that Jesus cast out. Once Jesus cast these demons out, she became a faithful follower of Jesus. She and other women actually followed along with Jesus and his disciples, ministering to them. We don't know if they helped provide meals or just did all sorts of odds and ends chores for them or just ministered in many different ways. But we do know that she actually followed along with Jesus and his disciples and was ministering to them during their earthly ministry. And we also see her at the foot of the cross. We see her with Mary, the mother of Jesus, uh, Mary's sister, Salome, another Mary, and they stood beside John and they were there that day watching Jesus, who they knew, who they believed was the Son of God being crucified on that cross. But now we see that she saw 
this empty tomb. Now, I'm just going to get into the Greek for just a little bit because it's important. In this passage of scripture, you're going to see the word Saul four different times. Three of those times is a different Greek word. Our English language does not distinguish between it. We just use the word Saul. But the first word Saul in verse 1 says she saw the stone uh, already taken away. And that word Saul is blepo. And it basically means seeing without fully understanding. Now we do that a lot, don't we? We see something, we say, I don't know what that means. I don't know what that is. I don't know what's going on here. That's kind of the situation for for Mary Magdalene. She saw, but she did not comprehend. She did not understand what it was that she saw. Otherwise, why would she run to, to Peter and John and say, they've taken his body away? If she understood what had happened, she wouldn't be saying, somebody stole his body. Where is it? And so we look and we see that she saw without understanding. So we look and we see who's next. Well, she told Peter and John what she had seen, and she shared with them how it affected her. She shared that she thinks that somebody's taken his body and they don't know where it is. So now Peter and John begun run, began running to the tomb. Now it says that they ran together for a while, but John, probably because he was younger, ran ahead. And he gets to the tomb, but there's some kind of sacred about a tomb. It's like you don't enter it to, to a tomb uh, because it, it is a sacred place. So John stops at the doorway and he stoops and looks in and he saw. What did he see? He saw the same thing that Mary Magdalene saw. But here the word saw is the exact same as Mary Magdalene's blepo. It means that he saw without understanding. He looked in and it just didn't make sense to him. Now, we look at the risen Savior. We look at the empty tomb from a historical perspective. We know the story, right? But here's basically how Mary Magdalene and how John saw the empty tomb. Let's just say that you have a loved one that passed away. You attended their funeral yesterday and you went back today to lay flowers at the graveside. And when you got there, the dirt was dug up, the coffin was sitting over to the side, and it was open, and the clothes that they had worn for their funeral were still in the coffin, but the body was missing. Now, do you see the perspective that they saw? It's a little different. They had sensory overload. They could not understand what they were seeing with their human eyes mainly because they were looking at it with human eyes instead of spiritual eyes. They were not remembering all the teachings that Jesus had given. So John remained in an ununderstanding way. So that's the two with the same definition. They both saw blepo without understanding. Now Peter, Peter was always kind of rash, wasn't he? He spoke before he ever thought. He did before he ever you know, considered the outcome. Well, Peter doesn't give the tomb any thought. He just rushes straight in. And the word is he saw. Here's what Peter saw. Picking up verse 6. And so Simon Peter also came following him and entered the tomb. And he saw the linen wrappings lying there, 
and the face cloth which had been on his head, not lying with the linen wrappings, but rolled up in a place by itself. So Peter gets a closer look. He is now in the tomb, but he's seen the same things that Mary Magdalene and John had seen. And the word that the word saw for Peter is, let me find it, theorio. It's basically where we get our word theory from or theorize. And he saw with the purpose of investigating. Let's go back to our, our illustration. If you saw a coffin laying up on the side of a, a dug up grave, empty, you probably call the police and say, somebody's stolen the body. That's exactly what Mary Magdalene had said. Well, Peter becomes that detective. He starts to examine, why is this like this? And he starts to try to theorize what is going on. So he is, he is seeing, but he's trying to investigate. He's trying to figure out what does this mean, but he's not quite there yet. And so we look, and he passed, and we see him examining that empty tomb. Now, here's the situation. What did they actually see? Well, in the haste, Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus took linen wrappings and they took a mixture of aloe and myrrh and made an ointment or a paste out of it and they would slather it onto the linen and begin wrapping the body. Each arm, each leg would be individually wrapped and then the torso, everything would be wrapped up, basically everything but the, the face. It had a face covering or a cloth or a towel type thing that would cover the face and probably had one or two windings of the linen around that. Now, if Jesus had been taken away, then anyone who left the grave clothes there would have either ripped them off or unwound them and left them in piles. But that's not what Peter, John, and Mary Magdalene saw. They saw the linen wrappings still wrapped as if they were wrapped around the body, still in their place, but the body was no longer in the midst of them. Why does that make a difference? Because Jesus, in his perfected body, rose through the wrappings. How do we know he's got a perfected body? When's the first time that Jesus appears to his remaining disciples, minus Thomas? They are locked up in an upper room. They have the door bolted, and he walks through the door. He is not in the same physical body, even though it looks like and they can actually touch it. It is different. It is a perfected body. So he did not have any problems coming up through these grave claws. They were lying there, still wrapped as if they were wrapped around a body, but he was no longer in them. That's why Peter is... Something doesn't look right here. I'm trying to figure this out. He's examining what he is seeing. Now, look at verse 8. John. John's still been standing outside, peeking in. Now he gets bold enough and says, well, if Peter's already in there, I might as well go too. So in verse 8, so the other disciple who had first come to the tomb, then also entered and saw and believed. Now, what's the difference there? Well, we got a third Greek word for the word saw. This time is parao, and it means to see with 
understanding. It was as if there was a, a switch that got turned on for, for John. He, he first looked in and he did not understand what he saw. And now he looked in and sees the linen cloths untouched as if there's still a body in them, but there's no body left. And it finally dawns on him, I now believe. What is it that he believed? He believes that Jesus is raised from the dead. How do we know? Because look at the next verse. For as yet they did not understand the scripture that he must rise again from the dead. So what he believes is that Jesus truly had fulfilled the scriptures, that Jesus had fulfilled his own words, that he had risen from the dead. Why is that important? Well, it is greatly important. What we find out is that if that had not taken place, we wouldn't have anything to believe in. We look and we see all the different ways that the scriptures had foretold this. I'm not gonna go into all the Old Testament passages, but I'm gonna share about three different passages that Jesus himself said that he would rise on the third day. The first one is found in Matthew chapter 16, verse 21. From that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised on the third day. Later in Matthew, Matthew chapter 20, verses 18 through 19, Behold, we are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be delivered to the chief priests and the scribes, and they will condemn him to death, and will hand him over to the Gentiles to mock and to scourge and to crucify him. And on the third day he will be raised up. Early in John, he recorded John chapter 2, verse 19, Jesus answered them, destroy this temple, and in three days I will rise it up. It's as if John, John is standing there and starts to hear the echoes of Jesus' words. He's hearing these words of his Lord Jesus Christ in his own heart. It says that he saw and believed. Was John not a believer up until this point? Yes, he was a believer. He believed that Jesus was the Son of God, he believed that he was the, the chosen Messiah sent from God. He believed that he would die for the sin of the world, just as John the Baptist had mentioned. But it's as if they just couldn't get past that point of unbelief of what was happening next. What would happen next after Jesus died for the sins of the world? Now the final happens. Jesus has died. He's been placed in a tomb, and on the third day, he rises from the dead. Now we look and we see John now believes the full picture. He believes that Jesus has risen from the dead, and that's why we worship a risen Savior. Many churches have a cross in the, pulp, uh, in the baptistry or some prominent place for most churches, Protestant churches, churches like ours, we have an empty cross. There are other uh, denominations or other religions that have Jesus still on the cross. We have an empty cross because Jesus is no longer being crucified. We also have an empty tomb because Jesus is no longer in the tomb. He's no longer dead. 
We worship a risen Savior, and we know that he is risen. I'm looking right now at a picture of Jesus ascending up into the heavens. And it's a beautiful picture I get to see every Sunday morning. But we know that we worship a risen Savior. Now, what is the necessity of the resurrection? Did you know that there have been many, many men who had pretended to be the Messiah? They had said, well, if I pretend and do some of these neat things, if I proclaim myself to be the Son of God, if I proclaim myself to be sent from God to lead people to heaven, then I will gain a great following. And each and every one of them died, and they're still in a grave. There are many religions today that have focused on an individual as their leader. And each one of those individuals has died, and they're still in a grave. We are the only religion, the only people of faith that worship an empty tomb, a risen Savior. We're the only ones. So we look and we see that instead of having a counterfeit death, which would have been if he had just died and stayed in a tomb, what power would he have had? How could he prove that he truly had died for the sins of the world? Well, by rising from the dead to prove that he overcame the penalty of death and had been raised from the dead. So we look and we see that here's what the resurrection means. It means that Jesus was declared to be the Son of God with power, according to the spirit of, the, of God's holiness, by the resurrection of the dead. The resurrection means that we also have the assurance of our own resurrection. If Jesus was resurrected from the dead and he promises that we will join him in the resurrection, then that means that one day we, even though we will lay this body into a grave one day, that it will not stay there, that we will have a resurrected body that will meet Jesus in the heavens. That's his promise to us. What else does it mean? It means that Christianity and the Lord that we serve are unique. They're completely different from any other religion in the world. It also proves that Jesus died as a sinless man out of love and self-sacrifice, bearing the guilt of our sins, dying on the cross. And his death on the cross was payment for our sins. And his resurrection was the receipt from God saying, paid in full. You did all that you were required to do. You lived a sinless life. You were the only one suitable to die for the sins of the world. You died giving yourself in their place, taking upon yourself the guilt and the penalty of their sins, the penalty of death. And here is the proof. Rise. And Jesus rose from the grave. And that's why we worship a risen Savior today. We look today, what does this mean to you? What does it mean to me? How do we look at things in life? How do we look at our own faith? Is our own faith kind of muddled where we say, well, I believe there's a God. I believe that there's this man named Jesus. I believe that he died on the cross for me. That's about all I understand. Is that enough? Well, it's according to who you talk to. 
That's one perspective of salvation, that you just believe that there is a man named Jesus who died and rose from the grave. Is that enough? I don't think so. See, that's just a perspective of seeing without fully understanding. Then there's those who analyze Jesus to death. They have studied all the scriptures. They've studied all the historical evidence of this man named Jesus. And they see the history that he had fulfilled a lot of different prophecies, that he had done miraculous works. They read that he had been crucified. They read about this empty tomb. They read that there are multiple witnesses of a risen man named Jesus. Well, they've examined evidence, kind of like Peter was doing in that tomb. But does it change them within? Has it produced faith in their life? Or do they just have this head knowledge that this man Jesus fulfilled all these things, so he must be who he says he is? See, there's a lot of people that believe that Jesus was maybe even the Son of God, but they don't allow him to be change agent in their lives but here's what we see with John and hopefully with each and every one of us we see Jesus we believe that he is the son of God we believe he is the Messiah we believe that he died for our sins we believe that he rose from the grave but that belief has translated into true salvation true salvation creates a transformation we are no longer the same if we have that salvation. It's not just belief with muddled understanding. It's not just a belief by examining the facts. It is a belief that has transformed us from within. We are now His. We belong to Him. He now lives in us through His Holy Spirit, living in us and dwelling in us and working in us and through us. And he continues each and every day to transform our lives. When we surrender anew each day, he comes in and he controls our thoughts, our desires, what comes out of our mouths, the actions that we do. He puts in our hearts a desire to minister to the needs around us, to share the love of Christ with those who desperately need it. That is the true message of salvation. Mary Magdalene. Peter, according to these scriptures, had not come to that point of true belief that Jesus had risen from the grave. They did later on, I'm sure of it. It's just not recorded in this passage. How do I know? Well, Peter saw the risen Savior uh, not too many days later. I think that Mary Magdalene probably was also among that group. We know that in one place that over 500 people saw Jesus at one time risen. I believe she is at least part of that. There's no doubt in my mind that the true believers had seen the risen Savior. But we can't see this physical human body that's been risen from the dead because he ascended back into heaven 40 days later. We have to believe from the evidence. But if you're not careful, you become just like Peter. All you do is examine the evidence, but you don't let it affect you personally. To be a true child of God, we must, we must accept it in our hearts. Allow God 
to transform us into what He wants us to be. His children, co-heirs with Christ, His beloved. The only reason why Jesus died was to save us from our sins. The reason why Jesus rose from the grave was to prove that what He had done on the cross was satisfactory. That His death had paid the penalty for my sins and your sins. Because of that, our sins can be forgiven. And because he has risen from the grave, he says, you too will have a resurrection. We too will have eternal life with him in heaven. That's what we believe. That's what we should believe. That's the question I must ask today. Is that what you believe? Do you just have this muddled understanding that Jesus is God, Son, that he came to earth some 2,000 years ago, that he died for our sins, and that's about as far as you can go with it? Or have you examined Jesus' life, his message of salvation, all the different ways that he proved himself to be the Son of God, the Messiah, but yet, even with all that knowledge, belief, it has not penetrated the heart? Or have you come to the point where you believe because your faith has taken you there. You know that Jesus is your Lord, your Savior, that He is now living in you through His Spirit, that He has transformed your life into what He desires you to be and for me to be. That's why we worship a risen Savior. And He's in this world today. How do I know? Because he lives within my heart. It's a beautiful song. It's a beautiful message. But it's only beautiful if it's true to you. Let's bow together.